You're listening to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue with Adam Bartels. Welcome to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue. On this episode, we are following up on the Dog Aging Project, project a study we first featured last March of 2020 on episode 47 of the podcast. Excited to uh, get some updates on how this project is going, the study and any of the findings that have been happening. And with that, it is my privilege to welcome back into the podcast, the uh, assistant professor in the College of Health and Human Sciences, Dr. Audrey Ruppel. Uh, Audrey, welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing? Hi, Adam. Thanks so much for having me. I'm doing really well. I'm excited to have you back on. I know last March when we talked about this, I said I wanted to, to hear how this project was going and what you guys are finding out. So here we are a little bit more than a year later uh, catching up. So thank you for, uh, thank you for, your, for your time today. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you about this project. This awesome. is truly really the most fun project that I've ever done in my entire professional career. So I'm happy to be able to talk about it. That's great. Uh, it's exciting. I, like I said, I, I couldn't wait to hear just some of the findings you've found out in this past year. Uh, before we jump into that, in case there's anybody who missed that episode last year or is just forgetful like me sometimes, uh, just kind of reintroduce yourself, your title, and your role at Purdue. Sure. I'm Dr. Audrey Ruppel. I'm, a, I'm considered a One Health epidemiologist. So I'm an epidemiologist who studies health and disease at the intersection of humans, animals, and our environment. Um, I'm in the College of Health and Human Sciences in the Department of Public Health at Purdue University. Awesome. Well, Thank you again for your time. And before we uh, move on, I feel like a congratulations is in order. I saw on social media yesterday, you've been selected as a Scilog, is it Scilog or Skylag fellow? It's the Scilog, yes. So that's the intersection of science and dialogue, which is exactly what we're doing here today is talking about science. Yes, I was um, nominated and selected for the Scilog Fellows for the 2021 year, which is they do a fellows every, every year. And the topic for this year is mitigating zoonotic threats, which is exactly what I do, that intersection of health across animal species that include humans. Well, that's so exciting. Congratulations to you. Thank you. <laughs> awesome, man. That's really exciting. Um, as we kind of just move into the subject, Kind of for those people, again, who may have missed last year's episode or just need a reminder, what is the Dog Aging Project? Yeah, that's actually, that's a great question because it's a project that is larger than what has ever been attempted before using a dog population. So this is a, a project that is considered a longitudinal project. So this is a project that is occurring over time. And we have collected, we're collecting information on a population of dogs over time. And by population of dogs, I mean dogs from all across the United States of every breed, including mixed breed dogs. We're looking for not just old dogs, even though it's an aging project, we're also looking for puppies too. Um, and so far we've had more than 92,000 dogs um, nominated for this project. And we couldn't be more happy to have that type of dog population. And yet we're still looking for more. I mean, we're definitely still looking to enroll more dogs into the project. Now, the point of the project is to collect information about these dogs over the course of their lifespan. So really collecting information about their health and their disease outcomes, but also about their everyday environments, um, what types of food they're eating, what their um, normal course of their day looks like, and you know what types of houses they're living in. Yeah, and uh, we'll get into more some specifics later, but just a broad uh, question here. How's it going? How's the project going? Wow, it is going like gangbusters. So this last year, as we know, um, across the U.S., because of the pandemic, I'm sure there's a lot of people that have been adopting dogs, and we've had a lot of these 
new adopted dogs than enrolling into the dog aging project and we couldn't be more happy about it. Um, the, the project is continuing to grow and we're starting to get some of our first publications out, which is really exciting. So we're, we are really thrilled with the direction that the project is taking. That's so great. And you kind of touched on it just a second ago, but just talk about this importance of the study. Sure. So dogs are a lot like humans. We, they share a great uh, amount of our genetic material, so like 650 megabase pairs, which will mean not a lot to a lot of people, but essentially what I'm saying is humans are a lot like their dogs and dogs are a lot like us. And in addition to being like us genetically, we really intimately share our household and um, outdoor environments with our dogs. You know, we typically exercise with our dogs, we sleep with our dogs, we drink the same water that we're drinking and quite often we're feeding them off of our table. Um, so they are literally having the very similar environmental in genetic um, life that we to what we do as humans, um, but they also live a shorter period of time. And so we can actually collect entire lifetime data um, over you know, 10 or 15 years, depending upon the dog um, that would take you know, 70 to 100 years in humans. Yeah, wow. You mentioned the pandemic, kind of just talk about how dogs and humans have changed over the past year. Boy, haven't we all? Um, so yeah, so there's actually been a lot of changes. Like one of the things that we've noticed is that dogs' behaviors have changed over the last year. Um, as much as being locked down has been a real struggle for a lot of people, our dogs have their pack with them all the time. And so we're seeing some changes in the way that dogs behave. And for some dogs, that means that they're more calm, they're less anxious because they've got their people with them all the time. And for other dogs, like sadly my own, it's made them more anxious because they've got their people with them all the time. So we're definitely seeing that there's um, plenty of impact, a lot of that impact being around behavior, but also just that people have been able to spend more time with their dogs. And so they're, they're noticing some more finding more minute details about their dogs' everyday behaviors and actions. And so I think that people are just more keyed into their animals right now than they were a year ago. Yeah, for sure. And it'll be interesting too, to see maybe over this next year, what you guys are finding from the study too, as a lot of people who adopted dogs while working from home the past year now going back to work and what that's going to mean psychologically for both themselves and their dogs and just in their health as well, right? Absolutely. I think it's going to be a really interesting, I think it's going to be a difficult year for a lot of people and for a lot of dogs. So I think that how we navigate this, I mean, we're going to learn a lot about human behavior and dog behavior both. Yeah, for sure. I do want to talk about you. You mentioned your dog. I uh, first of all, my condolences to you. I know you lost your beloved, uh, beautiful, uh, Great Dane Bitzer this past year. Yeah, thank you. Really valuable as well to this, this study. And I want to talk about him because I know he died of osteosarcoma, of course, a cancer that is common in dogs, but also uh, cancer that um, took my beloved uh, friend Tyler Trent as well. Just talk about what you guys can learn from cancer in dogs and relate it to humans as well. Absolutely. So this is Bitzer was my dog, like, but he was my heart dog. He was a dog that I was really um, attached to. And obviously I've got the great privilege of being able to get some wonderful photo shoots with him, which I know that that's the picture you were just looking at. Um, Bitzer was this amazing dog who lived his entire life with me. I've literally had him since he was about 10 weeks old. So since he was just a baby dog. Um, and the problem with cancers in dogs is that first of all, cancers happen more commonly in dogs than they do in humans. And so that is such a travesty in terms of dog for dog owners and for losing dogs, but it's actually this strange kind of blessing in terms of research, because some of these cancers that happen really uncommonly in humans, like for instance, 
osteosarcoma. It's a very rare, it's a very rare tumor to see in human populations. And so it's hard to study it because we don't have a population of affected individuals that we can readily do research with. So though when we have a, dog, a disease like osteosarcoma that happens really commonly in dog populations, it actually presents this opportunity for us to learn a lot about how the disease happens, if there's environmental triggers or if there's genetic precursors to it, um, but also how we can stop it from happening and how we can treat it better. Yeah. Um, so this is, this is where the fact that my dog ended up with osteosarcoma while doing a study on aging in dogs, like, and then ended up with like all the diseases for him to end up with the same disease that Tyler Trent was, was battling at the time that my dog was diagnosed. That was, um, certainly not something I anticipated when starting this research project, but one that I feel like it really ends up being kind of the perfect story for why this work is so important. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously Tyler had such a huge impact and then continues to because he donated his tumors and now you're able to exactly. you know, learn from a bitter as well and take what you can learn from, you know, his body and, and, and this study just to help hopefully find whether it's cures or just treatments as well in the future moving forward. Let's talk about that importance. Absolutely. So the really fascinating thing, because as I mentioned earlier, we share this huge amount of genetic material between dogs and humans. And cancers are ultimately a disease of our own cells. And so it's our own genetic material that actually then becomes um, abnormally replicated. And so when we look at that tumor sample, like from Tyler, and we compare it to the tumor sample from my dog Bitzer, what we can see is that on a molecular level, they're identical tumors. And that is really important because that means that everything that we're doing in terms of developing treatments and prevention measures, it's something that will help for both dogs and for humans. Wow, that is incredible. And I'm, you know, obviously this is personal for both of us. So I'm, I'm anxious just to see what comes out of this and what we can learn over the next weeks, months, and years uh, from this just to help, you know, other families and, and dog owners as well not have to suffer losses like this as well. So, Absolutely. Wow. Um, Moving on, uh, just, you know, you mentioned earlier, 92,000 now plus uh, enrolled or participating in some form or another. And last year it was around 82,000. So obviously an increase over the last year as well. Um, just talk about, uh, again, the importance of that, having that variety from, I know last year you said every state was represented. Yes. Having a variety yeah. of and states uh, to help just collect data. Yeah, so we need variety, not just in not just from all the different states, but even from within the state of Indiana, we're really looking to get a really representative sample, not just from our populated areas. So as I'm sure you can imagine, right now in the state of Indiana, we have over 700 dogs enrolled in the Dog Aging Project, but most of those dogs are in larger metropolitan areas. So Indianapolis, Lafayette, West Lafayette. Um, but we're really looking to make sure that we have some of those dogs that are out in this more rural environment. Those are the dogs that are gonna have a really experience than the dogs in cities. And so we want to make sure that we're actually getting a population of dogs that are representative of their people too. Yeah, that's awesome. And then, uh, yeah, you mentioned the, the bigger counties, no surprise there, but the importance of uh, the, the local counties too. I know last year we also talked about uh, the oldest dog that you had enrolled was shockingly a 24 year old dog. Is anything older enrolled since then? We have a 27 year old dog enrolled. <laughs> wow, awesome. it's amazing it's absolutely amazing i'm a little jealous i have to say <laughs> no kidding sorry did you say what breed it was 
I think it's a Chihuahua, but I can double check, but I'm pretty sure it's a Chihuahua. Because as you mentioned last year too, you know, uh, the smaller the dog, usually typically the older it lives, correct? That's exactly right. Wow. Uh, just kind of talking about as, as you're moving forward too as well, any um, specific dogs you're still looking for to uh, jump in on this study? Yes, I know that we're looking for some large breed dogs in particular. Um, but really we're looking for all the dogs. And like I said, the big piece that we're looking for is representativeness in terms of where our dogs live, but also in terms of our dog's owners look like. I mean, we have a bunch of um, dog owners that are exactly like one another, then we're gonna have dogs that have pretty similar lifestyles. So we're really looking for it to increase the diversity of the population of dogs and dog owners in the Dog Aging Project. Awesome, so incredible, incredibly important for people you know, all uh, demographics to, to participate in. in Absolutely. The, what's your most popular, uh, maybe top five or so popular breeds right now participating? Um, so typically, not surprisingly, they look kind of like the most popular breeds of dogs across the U.S. So it's dogs like Golden Retrievers and Labrador Retrievers. German Shepherd dogs are really popular as well. Um, so I think that those are probably the top three. Of the smaller breed dogs, we have a lot of Chihuahuas. Um, still a really popular dog kind of across, across the span. <laughs> um, and then any unique, is, is, there, is, what, is there a dog or breed or age or anything that just stands out unique outside of that, the 27 year old dog? Yeah. So the 27 year old dog definitely is a standout. And we do have a lot of um, uh, owners that are reporting their top. So when people say that their dog is a mixed breed, we give them the opportunity to say which breeds their dogs are. Cause a lot of people have a mixed breed dog, but as in it's not like a registered breed type or not a recognized breed, but they know exactly who the, who the parents were for their dog. And so that has been really interesting to me is like looking at the different cross breeds that people have. Um, we're all familiar with Labradoodles, right? So that's become a pretty popular dog. Everybody knows you can cross a Labrador with a poodle and you get these Labradoodles, but there's all kinds of crossbreeds of dogs and designer dogs and designer puppies that have been included in this study. And that I find really fascinating. Um, and then there's people like me. I have a mixed breed dog that I actually adopted off the streets of Mexico. I literally have no idea <laughs> what her lineage is. So we're getting this real mixture of we have mixed breed dogs that are real mixed and we don't know what they are. And then we have mixed breed dogs that we actually have some ideas to what they are. And that's been really fascinating for me. Yeah. You mentioned some of the publications and stuff that have now started to be released. Anything that jumps out that has surprised you uh, so far in this past little over year? Yeah, I'm actually really, well, first of all, I just have to say, it's not just surprised, but it's really grateful. We are considering our um, research project a partnership between ourselves, the researchers, and the citizen scientists that are contributing information about their dogs. And I have been so overwhelmingly surprised and just, it's been very heartwarming seeing people really engage in this work and really engage in this project, but also recognizing how deeply people know their dogs. Um, so some of the questions that we ask in our surveys, you know, there's questions about, you know, health history and dietary history and those kinds of things. And I am consistently amazed at how much information people are able to provide um, with high accuracy to this project. So that's probably the biggest surprise for me from a research standpoint. Um, the other piece that I would say has been a big surprise is just how much um, 
feel-good um, camaraderie we have, we have created in this project. We have um, a dog aging pack, as we call it. So our pack of members that have social media groups and they're really connecting with each other and they're becoming this, this own little club. It's like this tribe of dog aging um, pack members, which has been really phenomenal and just such a cool part of the project. Uh, yeah, for sure. Especially uh, over this past year needed, right? I mean, it, something to help. Yeah. Absolutely. We really, we all did. We've all really needed it. So we've been doing, um, for the last few months, we've been doing PAC member appreciation events. And so this is all obviously virtual because this is the environment we're all living in these days. So yeah, it's all been pretty amazing. But that piece of it was a really unexpected part. It's not just going to work every day and working on, you know, a data set. It's that these are um, really engaged people and dogs, and we're getting to know these animals as though they're one of our own. Right, right. And you mentioned last year, uh, this is a minimum 10-year uh, project. So this is only the beginning. So if people are listening yes. to this episode uh, and want to get involved, where should they go and what can they do? They should go to dogagingproject.org and they can click on the link to nominate their dog from the landing page from that website. Once they nominate their dog, they'll receive an email and that will invite them to create a portal where they can enter in all the information about their dog and even upload their dog's electronic medical records. That website also has a lot of resources for dog owners, including blog posts and information about the project and, and what we've been doing with it. Cool, and just a quick reminder of what's all involved so the uh, dog owner might know what they're getting into. Sure. So dog owners, um, the nomination process takes less than two minutes. It's just getting some really basic information about their dog and just contact information for their owners. And then once they create a portal, they'll be asked to create to um, fill out their health and life experience survey about their dog. And that's a 10 section survey. It will take them a little bit of time, um, but they only have to do that survey once a year. We're trying not to overburden, um, but we do want to collect a, a wide variety of information about these dogs. Awesome. Uh, as we wrap up, Audrey, anything else uh, you want people to know about this project? Yeah, I just want them to know that they are the most important part of this project and that by establishing a relationship with the Dog Aging Project and enrolling their dog, they're actually helping to, to increase lifespan for both dogs and us too. Awesome. Audrey, I'm so thankful uh, for your time. This is such an exciting project and we'll have to probably do it again uh, next year as well just to continue to hear how this it's is. It's a date. <laughs> Okay. All right. Thanks, Adam. Yes, happy 4th of July to you and your family. Thanks. You too. Bye. A reminder, you can follow the Full Steam Ahead podcast on Twitter at Full Steam Pod. And you can always listen to, like, comment, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Full Steam Ahead podcast. Until next time, I'm Adam Bartels.